Welcome to the Best Practice Network Talking Leadership podcast series, part of our ongoing leadership discussions. Today, we're going to be talking about a fascinating topic that we've been working on for a while now, and we have three fantastic presenters to to come and share their experience. So today, we're going to talk about the changing role of finance. So first off, welcome my co-host, Eric. How are you today? I'm good, Kevin. Thank you for having me again. And uh, welcome to Nick Kako, who has worked with us extensively around the lean accounting area and uh, is based in the US. Hello, Nick. How are you? Hi. Thanks, Kevin. Doing fine. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. We look forward to Ed uh, from TRT Australia, uh, based uh, in New Zealand. Welcome, Ed. Thank you. And in, and in Australia, so cover both countries. Yeah, so I covered good. both off. That's great. Yeah, just <laughs> think about that one. And yeah. Lara, thank you very much. You've presented at a forum for us on the Finance Forum. It was an interesting discussion and looking forward to your contribution today. Looking forward to it. All right. So let's just get some very quick intros going just so uh, it allows people to understand where this perspective is. And then we're going to get into our topic. So Nick, just uh, just let the audience know who you are. Yeah, uh, Nick Kako. I've been uh, practicing lean accounting for about 30 years, both as a uh, chief financial officer and probably for the last 22 years doing training, coaching and consulting on lean accounting. I've been written a few books on on the subject, and uh, I think I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of companies of different sizes and different industries and in, in terms of helping them improve accounting processes and functions. Oh, great. Thank you, Nick. And we've enjoyed working with you. And like I say, looking forward to the next time you can make a chip over. Lara. Yeah. Hi, guys. So Lara from Sydney. Over 25 years finance accounting experience, mainly in ASX companies. So for those in Australia, we know those are the Australian stock exchange companies in the NRMA brands and recently with QBE. But also to round out my experience, I have worked for a not-for-profit, which is our SBS, our broadcaster for um, multilingual. So that's me. Great. Thank you very much. And Ed, just uh, obviously you are in New Zealand, but we do work in Australia as well. So uh, Ed, just let us know who you are. Oh, hi, everybody. Ed Coombs. I work for Ted Ross Title, TRT. So I've been with them for about five years. Like Lara, probably done over 25 years of experience. Brief time in audit, which I had to quickly get out of and then moved in more into the financial reporting. Eight years in the UK in banking, which was great experience. And then back in the last probably... 20 years, moved back to New Zealand and been involved in financial reporting, ERP projects, and um, yeah, so it's been a good challenges. Great, thank you. All right, so I think what we do now, as, you, as the um, everyone can hear, we've got a, a fantastic range of experience, knowledge, and um, some insights. So the topic we're going to cover off today is the changing role of, of finance. So let's just let's just pose the question here in terms of, uh, and I'll come to um, Ed first uh, in terms of experience. So. What's what's really driving the, the, this change? Because, you know, there's still this perception, Ed, of is the finance team manage the budget, tell you when you're overspent, you know, take it away when you underspend, you know, and are those people you just don't want to come knocking on the door. So um, do you wanna, what, how do you feel that's been changing and in what way? I actually think that, well, I think also in New Zealand because of the size of a lot of our companies and, and the ones I'm with, now family and previous one was a family-owned business we have to have a great understanding across the business so it's not just the numbers or doing the accounts it's also understanding systems report risk management how can we help with continuous improvement 
both the companies I've worked with more recently have been manufacturing. So how do we support them and make those changes? And also very much involved in systems. I've got the IT team reporting into me as well as the accounts and finance. So the IT touched everybody. And as we've moved through a lot of automation and process improvement, system improvement, we've had to try and reach out to all parts of the business. So I think and then at the same time, you've actually also got to make sure you don't forget about your compliance, about your tax and reporting to the external parties as well. So it's really, I think what's happened is it's become a very broad spectrum of, of functions and roles. It's not just um, being a bookkeeper or counting the beans. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And I think we, we will cover off the, the whole compliance external to the inward perspective, which I know Nick has done a lot of work on. But, but Lara, just, just looking for a bit of a summary, because you've been in that service not-for-profit type sector as well. So so what's what's really been this change in role that you've seen over the last few years? Yeah, look, I have to totally agree with Ed. I mean, across the board, regardless, regardless if it was financial services or the sort of baton off the profit, everyone's looking for business partnering. So I found a great quote in one of the jobs that think today that sums it up, like everyone's looking for someone who's commercially astute, able to think about the bigger picture and drive business outcomes. And I reckon you could probably write that for every job ad that we're seeing at the moment because that's what business really wants. It's, to Ed's point, not looking at, you know, budget versus actuals. It's what does it mean? What are the key drivers? But also I totally agree there's a lot of change in systems. Everyone's taking this opportunity to upgrade, to change, and every compliance role also has a process improvement component to it. So that's definitely what I'm seeing across the board as well. Yep. And I think we're going to um, cover off and talk about what skills change that's meant as well, because, yeah. you know, they're traditional in the way that maybe a lot of you would have become accountants and the challenge there. But but Nick, very much an interesting perspective because you've been as a CFO, as you've said, into some fairly large and then coming almost to the to the side of trying to encourage working with businesses and with other CFOs. What's the changes you've seen during your career and then obviously what you're working with now? Yeah, I, I think that the changes are that the finance and accounting people become more familiar with the business, how it operates, not just from the financial, not just the financial outcomes of the business, especially, especially in, in lean companies, because the, the way lean companies operate is different than traditional companies and accounting has to spend some time to learn learn the new connections between operating lean operating practices and how it drives financial performance okay so let's just so in terms of that learning i want to attack and this is where we will call in eric in a little bit round about his knowledge of the podcast as he's done because he's got some very clear ideas of what the leadership skills that are needed and i'm really looking to try and bore some comparisons so Ed, is there anything there in terms of your leadership style that you felt has changed or is changing or at the minute you feel has to change based on maybe when when you were when you first qualified from an accountancy base? Yeah, I think I think the leadership skills and I mean, I'm very lucky with the team I've got, but the leadership I provide, I'm not I don't try to be autocratic or, or dictate how everything has to be. I've got a really, really highly skilled team of people, especially with. Alex, who you recently met, and um, so I just think I've, been, I've tried to understand our capabilities across the team, empower them to actually get on and do what they're good at, but also at the same time highlight good opportunities or changes that will support the business with the relationship 
So I'm definitely picking up from there and I'll, I'll allow Eric to pick up what he can there. But I'm picking up there's a, a different change in the terms of this coaching, supporting, mentoring role and building up the team there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, and um, and the same with the same even with with my IT team. You, you know, they're they're really um, technically able, but probably at times the areas we've got to develop, and especially as we're going into an ERP replacement project, is we we need to look at other ways to communicate. We've got to go and we've got to organise some catch ups. We've got to have some. Um, one of, there's different ways of getting our messages across to make sure they've heard that that is always not going to get the message across. So developing other people's skills if those are needed in their roles as, as well. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of uh, Lara, and again, working off the different sectors there, in terms of your finance leadership role, what's some of the things that you may have noted that you've changed in your styles? And, and what has that meant with the way you interact with other te- with your team and other teams? Yeah, totally. So building on sort of what Ed said, you know, that directive, you know, when when I first qualified, it was very directive. Here's your task, go away and do it. And here's step A to C. Okay, three tasks, that's easy to do. These days, it's here's my problem. I'm not exactly sure what the solution is. Can you go away, work with the stakeholders, understand what the problems are, understand the drivers and help provide the business support about the different scenarios and the outcomes that that might have. So you're giving them options, you're understanding things and you're quantifying things, both qualitative and quantitative. That's definitely what I'm seeing. So it's stakeholder management. A really key piece, given that I've come from financial services, there's a huge insurance standard coming out. People like to talk very technically in accounting sometimes and get carried away in the minutiae of, you know, what a particular word means. It's very much, you know, a change in skills of being able to explain things in, you know, two sentences, regardless of how difficult it is, but also in plain English. No one wants to, you know, work out what the AASB has really meant in a sentence. What does it mean for my business and what are you trying, what does it, what do we need to do about it? So very much in that communication space as well. Yeah, and I think I can see Nick there smiling. I see a big smile on his face there. It's part of the challenge. So and I know it's come across with the with the word that he's done. So Nick, I'm I'm sure you've got a couple of things there that, that really resonate with you. And I know it's been some of the takeaways from the workshops yeah. that you've run. Yeah. Well, and just to build on what Ed and Lara have talked about, it, you know, the tr- sort of the traditional role of accounting in terms of relationships in in the company. I like to call them transactional relationships. It's all about sort of the work that gets done. And I think, you know, what they have both talked about and the way I look at it is that it's building real relationships inside the organization with the people that you work with and with the different teams to provide that support and also to learn. I think that's another important role in accounting. You know, there's an element of, you know, the stereotypical accountant that is fairly certain about everything. And I think the modern role is, you know, we don't know everything. We have to learn too. And we want to learn together with you about the business and what's driving the business and how to make the business better. Yeah. And I think I want to say um, operating strategically, I think is something I know I'll get Eric to come to in a minute. It's about 
being able to, it, it is almost being able to step, you know, to the site about work with your peers in this part, either you call it partnering yeah. in terms of, of getting that awareness and, and, and I picking with Ed about how you pick that up across the skills, but it's been able to work downwards in, in a more collaborative way. But I think there's, there's almost this strategic. So, so Eric, just from what, what you've learned, and I know this strategic foresight is, is one of your, your key elements. So you just want to share with the team where, where that's fitting in through with your research. I'll go back to first principles here because I claim no expertise in finance. And I think for those without a numbers background, the finance function of some businesses seems to be the no-go area if you don't have the language to engage. And I I take some heart there that people with finance expertise are, are starting to realize more and more that within and outside the business that a shared language to understand what the numbers mean is important so that everyone gets on the same page. Now, the importance of finance within the business is always going to be important to the business for strategic reasons, but understanding how those things link with the different functions of the business and integrating finance into what you do, I take Nick's point there quite uh, it's quite a significant one to make, but you have to build people's capacity to understand what is the finance function and why is it so important in the context of what you do? Because if you're not living and breathing the finance role or the finance of the business, then it's not primary in your mind. So from a strategy point of view, um, melding those things together is important. And I, I guess uh, this was brought up a couple of times. Language is important here and how you get shared understanding of things is important and linking in the minds of those that are leaders. So for example, a, a, a CEO or directors of a board, how does the finance function help in the business? And obviously you'll have an understanding of that, but it integrates to other parts of the business in ways that uh, maybe we haven't given enough uh, thinking about because it's important to have that and you wouldn't have people like Lara um, giving the presentations that she has if this was front of mind all the time for leaders that aren't in the finance function either because I would hazard a guess that some CEOs have people with finance skills in the business because they don't have those skills and improving our shared language around that is important so from a strategy perspective it's understanding where it fits why it's important and how you get it in through the business without um, having to delve into the technical accounting finance language that for some people makes you run want to run a mile in the other direction. So that would be my sort of macro look at that, if that if that makes some sense. I think we know it does. And, and this is part of the, the reason why we're having this conversation today is start to unpick that and go, well, how, do, how does that work together? So I, I want to just, just come back to this, this balance of of how do you get your business to understand there is a compliance part to the role, right? And that's a very critical part. And that's something that is almost legislative in, in the way that it's got to go. And then how do you then flip that around? And I'm going to come to you, Nick, because it's part of the work that you do. So I think what we're, we're, we're picking up, you do, what you do from an external compliance point of view, you just can't flip around and say to your team, look, you know, it's not, it's not working. Yeah. So, so what's, what's your thought process around it? They're important elements, but what's the flip that's needed and what's some of the things that we're learning about how we do that? Yeah. I, I think the flip that is needed is how to achieve the compliance. What's the process to achieve the compliance and look at that. And, you know, it, it's sort of like a lean view, you know, in terms of, just something like the the monthly close process, you know, where's the waste? How do we, why do we do some of the things we do? And you end up finding a lot of waste. I'm right now I'm, I'm working with a large 
publicly traded international company. I, I'm not going to name it because they wouldn't want me to. On their, they call it financial planning and analysis process, which is pretty, pretty much the month end close process. You know, and these people, this is a, this is a large company. They are working 15 hours a day on the month end close. They had a complete turnover, almost of the staff because they were all burned out. And they, but they're beginning to see that, you know, like 70% of their time may be able to be eliminated because of the way it's the way they do the work. And when you ask them, why do you do it this way? It's sort of like, well, this is the way we've always done it. So if, if you take that and build that on, so the role, the changing role of finance is yeah. also about looking back at themselves and, and challenging everything that they've done. And I suppose part of that challenge is about the compliance. And we've seen that with working with organizations who want to improve their own best practice. As soon as you come up with a compliance or regulatory potential barrier, they go, can't do it. It's the way it's always done. It's, it's the way that it's approved and and, and how we do it. And I, I would have imagined, Larry, you've seen that in terms of that, in that where the finance and, and that banking sector you've been in, that must be quite a big block. So it's how do we, we know we have to do it and there's an element to do it, but maybe we can do it better, which I think is an interesting view that not a lot of finance teams would have started to really get into. But how do we bring these things to life and again, flip the thinking to go, it's a value add and how do we free up that time? Yeah, so I can give you a real life example. So I was an executive manager of finance transformation at that NRMA insurance brand. And before that, talking about compliance, I looked after the annual report, which was lovingly referred to as my third child. So I am all about compliance and I do love compliance, but compliance is important. It's an absolute must. And getting all of your back office stuff and your regulatory stuff and your general compliance make having you know good hygiene gives you a seat a seat at the table if you don't have that right forget about your business partnering because most people think about finance is sort of that compliance to an extent and if you can't get your basics right well you know no one's going to want to really trust you on the business partnering so I think that it's an absolute must but in terms of flipping the dial and building on sort of what Nick said about that close piece um, part of my transformation role was you know selling if you get your compliance right you eliminate the waste, you focus on the 20% that gives you bang for buck, you do a risk assessment on that, you know, you don't get perfectionism on everything because that's not necessarily required. If you can reduce that close process, get your quality right, then you create all this space to then have finance resource focused on business partnering, which is what everyone really wants. And that's what the business wants. And then, you know, you've got the best of both worlds. So that's what I've seen. Ed, I'm keen to come to you now in terms of because you're working with board, it's a family business, you know, it's a family board, family business and working through the organisation. So there's obviously a lot of, of compliance that, that needs to be done there. How do you balance that with what they're looking for? And like you say, the need to get in and, and add value to the business? It's a juggling act. I think I think at the time the people, you know, the, the owners of the business, so the Carlins and our situation, they have so much, so many ideas, they're very entrepreneurial. And so they're constantly always looking at new opportunities. We expand better into Australia. How do we sell our cranes and, and compete with Frana or Terex? So the, the stuff that we still have to do, the compliance, and I think for them, they just they forget that we're 
of those roles that we've got to do for for doing the doing the accounts, getting the financial statements, doing the tax. They at the same time they want me to get the R and D grants so we can do the design and all the great work. But there's a huge amount of work involved in that to get yourself over the line and make sure the government give you that tax credit, etc. And then you have the external people like your boards and the chairmen that you know they come in once a month and themselves through the process, get those earnings forecasts, understand what's driving sales, what's changing forces, etc. So yeah, it's a good juggling act, and um, and we've always got to look at better ways to do that and try and satisfy all those parties. Yeah, uh, it's, it's an interesting one, and obviously having known uh, known a little bit about the business as well. So go, coming back to Nick here in your role that you've got, so I'm just I've just got this scenario in my head that there be some financial issues within a business. Nick will get the call, or Lara might get the call and say it's them. You need to sort them out because they can't do their numbers or handle the numbers and everything else. Then there's this whole well, hang on a minute. I think Lara picked it up. It's almost got to get your own house in order first before people are going to trust you. So is that a common situation? It's almost traditional about this, them that's the problem and just leave us because we're compliant and everything else? A, a little bit. I mean, you know, a lot of times I've noticed that if if I'm talking to like the owner of a company and um, they they sort of like don't trust the financials for some reason and they think that it's an accounting issue, it's almost like you have to go in there and understand, you know, what's driving the numbers. And many times you find out that it's sort of trend, it's upstream transaction processing that's, you know, causing the numbers. It's not, you know, accounting is just reporting the numbers that go through the system. I mean, like I, I, I tell some companies, I said, you know, your ERP system or whatever you're using, that's just like a big calculator. I mean, it's going to take the numbers in and it's just going to do a lot of math and then spit the numbers out. So you might not like the numbers, you might not trust the numbers, but let's find out where the numbers are coming from. I think that's an interesting, I think that's what Lara and Aneda are going to there. And I think this is where that that switch of of the role I'm hoping is where we're yeah. going because, you know, and, and we've all been in situations where, you know, the numbers are not trusted and, and we think, well, it's only reporting what we're given and it's very easy to flip it around and, and say it's your problem it's our problem is your problem because it's your you know you're giving us the wrong information or or it's not right and it would have just been a very quick go away you know go and sort it out but what i'm hearing is that there's there's a view in it that it's now about okay well that's good that we've identified maybe the original source of information isn't right or it's coming from the wrong place what i'm hearing is the is the thinking now is instead of just telling someone off and giving them you know, put right in the, you know, circling the figure on a budget in red and going, this is your problem sorted out. The role yeah. is now is to say, let's now go and work together. And I think that's Lara, something you were saying. I think that's some of this language now that has to happen or is happening. It's about we're in this together. Let's work it out together and problem solve together. Is that the sort of inference that I'm taking from what you're saying, Lara? Yeah, I think it is. And it's very much, I think, the original points that, you know, all of us have made about that stakeholder management and relationships. Because, you know, to Nick's point, if you've got a problem, you know, you need to have those relationships either to have had those conversations early, that people trust you and will open up and say, hey, something's sort of happening here. 
you know, and they trust you to work with them. So definitely relationships, stakeholder management, you know, when problems do arise, you know, it's not the, you know, who, you know, who's at blame. It's we're all working together collaboratively, not sure of the answer. Let's work through this. What are the options? What are the implications? And, you know, that isn't just the, you know, A plus B equals C, which is that traditional sort of finance role. And, and Ed, is that something that, so I'm definitely getting the stakeholder management, the relationship has been a big flip in terms of just not telling them off, but working with them. So in terms of that leadership, Ed, and obviously we know Lawrence pretty well across the network, yeah. is, is, that, is that something that you're really seeing is having to be worked on or being worked on, is really getting that relationships positively built across the business? Yeah, totally. I mean, just an example I've had in the last few weeks, I've got a new person coming to my team as an accountant, just about finished his, his CA qualification, uh, worked for a chartered accountant previously, and he's very much about saying, well, these are the rules and this is what the person, why are they, why are they not doing what they're supposed to do? And so he, I said, well, you need to go out and have a chat with sales and find out why they're releasing goods to a customer when they're, credit, they're over their credit limit. What is the problem? What do we need to help them with the system to make sure that they can pick it up? Because you're just saying the rules aren't being followed because at the end of the day, they're looking after our customers and they're going to want to have a sale. So you come back and say, oh, this isn't going to be as straightforward as I thought. So that is where he's got to develop a relationship with them and come to some common ground to make sure that everybody's achieving their objectives in the business. And it's not going to, they're not going to be living there every day, sitting in their seat or talking to a customer and making sure they're always compliant with what finance or accountant or the system is telling them. Can I add something? You go ahead, that? Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it's the customer service aspect of accounting, I think, that you know, we, we have a lot of customers that we have to serve. We have external external and internal, you know, we have to do things like pay bills and send invoices out. But yet inside the, you know, we talked about stakeholders, but those stakeholders are really our customers. And, you know, value, if you think about this from a lean viewpoint, creating value in a, a service industry is about the value is created by the interaction between the customer and the service company. And so like that conversation that, that Ed was talking about, you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, you're certain that that person is your customer and you, you have to serve them. It's not about your rules. It's about listening to the customer and trying to create value in that conversation. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the accounting and finance people that have, sort of figured that out, whether it's the way I said it or in some other way, they're the ones who build the relationships and build a lot of trust inside the company. So so what's some of the tips or techniques that you may have come across? Because I think there's, which it's about changing this mindset, this senior level as well, um, turn, you know, turning them from the policing, you know, to, <laughs> to, to a different function, to, you know, to this collaborating you know, it's where we're accountable and, and without delegating, without dumping down, I think yeah. is the other police. And it's, 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 I've, I've shown you there's a problem. It's up to you to sort the problem out because there's a bit of upward leadership management that's got to go on here because you've got to change their thinking or their perception of the value of finance. Yeah. So Lara, is, is there any, any things you can share there? Yeah. Look, I think, um, I think you're spot on. I think, um, 
It's and it is it's a cultural change across the board. So it's all levels across all entities, but particularly in finance as well. So when you kind of got you know to Ed's point, you know I've seen it as well. You know the rules are black and white. Well, the rules are not really black and white. It's grey. So let's have a conversation about that. But changing a culture and changing finance particularly can be quite tricky. One of the things I have, and it takes a long time, and it actually takes quite a bit of investment of time. And you've got to lead by example. So it's easy to say, be collaborative. You know, what does that really mean? So you've got to give really good examples of what does collaboration really mean? And you sort of give real life examples of, you know, for example, you know, as Ed sort of mentioned, you know, how do you go and solve these problems? How do you work with people? So you give good examples, you, you're authentic. And again, easy to say, difficult to do, but you've got to be, you know, empathetic with, um, with people as well. So when you're working with the business, yep, I can totally understand a problem happened or it happened on the finance side, own your mistakes or own what's going on or be really authentic in what you do and you don't know. I think that that's really important. But I think one of the really key things to change a culture is really moving to that sort of more what's called that growth mindset as opposed to that fix. Mm. So you're, you're sort of challenging people to say, hey, look, have a go, have a go. You may not get it right, but have a go. And then you sort of test people and say, well, what did you kind of learn from that? What would you do again? So that coaching piece as well. So yep. that's kind of my input into that. Yeah, and I think so, and I, I'm talking with Nick uh, with Ed as well, you know, we're, we're going back to a lot of almost lean core principles here about respect for people, continuous improvement, you know, that that plan, do, check, act type cycle. Um, and you may not know what you don't know at the end of the day, um, yeah. or you can make completely myth bust what everyone thought, which is always a bit of alignment. Ed, can I come back to you? And in terms of, because part of the challenges, and I, I, I want to just relate back to the last two years, because how, how has that been challenging? Because the last two years have just thrown anything and everything at us. And even with you in your mindset, how have you kept that balance of just totally reverting back to the, the black and the white, as Lara was saying, and going, this is, this is the, this is what we've got to do just, just to get through to the whole, but we've still got to get better. Because you've, you've got multi-sites, multi-countries and, um, and, and an impact. So how have you managed just to, to, to try and keep that balance and, you know, if there's any examples? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I suppose two years ago we started with, with the COVID and the, we just finished budgets and they went out the window and we just basically had to start from scratch again and we looked at scenarios, how do we survive this? And, you know, unfortunately we let 30 people go in New Zealand at the time to, to quickly cut costs and make sure we were going to be there for the long term. So, yeah, and that was a start, I think, of what's been a continuous process. And then we've, and then we sort of flipped over and now we can't, we had to get people on. Now we can't even employ people. This week we've recut the budget again and we only did it a month ago because the, the environment is so difficult to recruit staff. Mm. And that's going to get worse as they drift across the Tasman or further afield. Um, and so we've got to, we've, we've got to actually not even just make sure we deliver on, on, on what we're building for our customers and the margin we want to achieve. But how do we retain staff? And what are different ways to, to meet the new challenges with that at the same time that we've got inflation and our price of materials are just going skyrocket. And but half the time we can't get the materials into the country. So the forces around the business are multi. There's so many different forces at play here. And so um, I think we've con- we're having to constantly re set up, I suppose, models to, to constantly evaluate 
that, oh, we need to put a price increase to our customer because stuff's moving up quicker than we can actually um, recover our costs on. So yeah. that's, that's where I think finance is now being pulled in a lot of the time to say, can you help us with these numbers? Because we might have put, we we're going over 10% price increases. What do we need to do to get better efficiency in the plant or look at different options? Can we outsource to other suppliers because we can't get people in the, in the factory anymore? So, um, yeah, we've got to provide, be flexible and have good tools to support people and make the right decisions. Yeah, so I think that, and I'm going to come to Nick now, but I think you've just picked up on a couple of points that's coming to theme here. So being able to have those discussions, Ed, I would imagine in a in an open and honest and authentic environment, would have been, if you hadn't have built that trust and respect, would have been really cha- even more challenging because it could be very easy to go back to the black and white, it's X, it's X amount of dollars or whatever. We've just got to make a decision and 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 being able to explain that and and talk through with the teams. But the yeah. other bit, the other bit I'm hearing there is also is about it's sounding like the team are beginning to trust you more that when you do come back and say these are scenarios, these are the outcomes, these are the options. It, it's it, although it's financial, it's got a whole of business view and approach to it. So you're, you're having those right conversations. Oh, it is. It's totally. And at the same time, the top priority at the board level and the executive level is about keeping our people safe. And what we've seen as we've had this run of COVID coming through more recently in, in New Zealand is that we've had staff numbers are down. They've been off sick. People are probably trying to work longer hours to keep deliveries on target. But at the same time, we need to make sure that those people return home in a safe way as well. Yes. So just what indicators are showing us that our people are stressed or our people are unsafe or what are those risks as well? Yes. So, you know, this, this, the, the, the areas that we're covering in the spectrum are, um, are always increasing. But yeah. um, I think it comes down to being one team and that's always been the motto for TRT. We're one team and we need to work together to try and make sure that we all, we're all part of this and we're all delivering yeah. to the customer. And a lot of what you just said there won't be seen behind the numbers either. You know, the numbers may look good, but it's uh, it's the classic swan floating across the water look really graceful and looks beautiful what you don't see is the legs battling like crazy underneath so uh uh nick there i saw you you had a couple of nods there and uh, some takeaways for you from that conversation yeah i think you know working with companies over the past couple of years you know and and how sort of the economics of how the the industry into certain industries work to have just like been blown up for one reason or another had described a lot of them. I, I think one of the, and I've seen, I've seen like three approaches with, from accounting. One is they continued down the path of certainty that, you know, well, you know, we, we understand how things are working and this, this is what we need to do, even though everything's exploding around them. Then there's going into sort of firefighting mode and, you know, they're just running around trying to do everything. And the third way, which, which you touched on a few minutes ago, is sort of taking the lean approach in terms of problem solving and applying PDCA and trying to rationally work through all these variables, you know, because you, you can't and, and understand how they've changed the levers in your business and, um, and, and I think, you know, the, the, the finance people that sort of just, they, they can apply, you know, they can sort of set the tone of being rational, calm, we're going to go through this, we're, gonna, we're not going to cut corners, we're not going to jump to solutions, and we're going to try to make the best decisions for the, 
financial interests of the company, but in a rational way. So, so I think we're pulling out there. There's some there's some great skills, you know, within and like each team has their own skills. And um, I think there's a part to play in terms of, you know, having the or challenging the numbers, making sure they're right. I think it's how they get to that point, which I think is part of the part of the the big change that that's coming off. And and we we're definitely seeing, you know, across the network, especially you're seeing all those three scenarios play out. And they've all played out invariably where you expected them to, you know, in terms of, especially for some of them who've gone through like second or third iterations um, yeah. of everything else about survival. And, and and we've seen some great examples of companies coming out a lot stronger. And again, there's a lot of reflection and learning going on about uh, maybe what we did last year wasn't quite quite the right way to do it either. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting in terms of how we pull that thing and I love the building relationships, the customer, the old traditional customer view as well. You know, you need to get your head around the the service and 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 the value and that whole ability to problem solve. So you know, it's 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 ability to take people through that 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 journey. So is that so? If we were to start a little bit forward and say, let's let's imagine we had the great opportunity to rewrite the accountant training manual. Okay. <laughs> so let's imagine we, we could do that in terms of, so we may not better change what I'm calling the hard core elements of it. Where do you think, and it may be a reinforcement of what we've spoken about before, what's the sort of thing that you'd love to see? So Ed, I'm taking your point here where you've got a new accountant come in who comes in with, I'm technically, I'm proficient. I know what I'm doing, but went straight into the it's it's not me mode or then they're not doing the right thing what do, what do you think uh, if we could call out some of the skills we either need to develop in our finance team or we'd love to write into the accounting training manual lara what would you what would you start to call out there yeah what would i what would i call out it would probably be it would probably be some of that questioning so I think, you know, one of the things I do love, and I'm sure Nikki can talk about this, is that five whites. So it's about that confidence. So, you know, not having the manual, which says, as I keep saying, A plus B equals C, that you have the confidence and you're able to ask questions about and try and dig to what's the root cause of an issue. Because sometimes I think as a finance person, you know, you go in and say, okay, so the problem is X and you don't even have agreement by all of your parties on what the actual problem is, all the key drivers. So being able to sort of tease that out, be able to be very collaborative and work with everyone because everyone's got a different view and the, and the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. So it's sort of some of that that I think it would be really important. Being really adaptable. So as we've already spoken about, you know, a really tough couple of years, being really adaptable to be able to change. Yep, your job's this today. The scenario has changed. The assumptions have changed. The forecast is out the window. Let's start again. Having that and that resilience. So it's really that soft stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I think generally um, that whole, and I know we've spoken about in a previous podcast of having having a budget or having a three year plan or whatever the case may be. Well, you've walked in the following morning and you've gone. Well, I know I'm supposed to be doing this today, but there's no way. It's out the window. What do I do? So, And it's really interesting. The agile adaptive has, has come up a fair bit in the last couple of forums. So just about as much as you have a plan, you know, it's something you've got to be able to adapt and, and work around. So, Ed, what would be your, just thinking about your accountant, and I'm not going to ask you to name them, but um, what's, the sort of, what's the sort of things, that the skills that either you would have loved them to have had or you're now thinking, okay, we have really got to start to to get them working on. I think I, I mean I've been I think looking at 
the guy that's joined me, he's just, he is great because he's coming in and he's constantly questioning why we're doing things. He's totally frustrated with our system. So I'm saying, well, don't worry. It's going to change. You're going to be part of that change process. That's great. But I think sometimes it's got to be, we're in it for the long term. So don't try and think you're going to do everything overnight. You're not going to change TRT because that's been around here for 55 years. So just take it in small steps. And just, I mean, I'm probably thinking back to when I did lean um, accounting in a, a previous company. It's, it's all those incremental steps that will get us there and make a, get us up that hill. So just, you know, be resilient, be collaborative. The stuff that Lara was talking about was absolutely fantastic. I think all those approaches of working with people through through it and understanding where the issues are and what what we can do in relation to making we're helping 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 each party involved. So it's going to be small small changes that will add up to the big picture over time. Great. Okay, Nick, what would you what would your, your feedback be? I would uh, a new hire work in the business for a while before they even step into the accounting department and do one piece of accounting work. I'd have them work in the business. I mean, mm-hmm. if it was a manufacturing company, I, I'd have them go out on the floor and, and work on the floor for a while. You know, work in purchasing, work, work in work in customer service or whatever, and work in these parts of the business that end up feeding accounting. So you learn the business and you learn you, you're learning where the information is coming from rather than starting in accounting and trying to work backwards and trying to figure it out. I think that's great, but I think what you're also doing there is building those relationships yeah. as well. Yeah, you're working in together. You're having a coffee or lunch at the same time. You're you're dealing with that rush order. Yeah, and if if you're lucky enough, you're having to deal with someone from the finance team coming to chase you and going, "Oh, okay, yeah. you know that's that's the way that, that that's got to work." But I think we do that, and I think this is is an interesting point you make is about you know it might be a an induction program or you know where we onboard people. You know, I think we've we've got to move the onboarding to be like a technical tick the box thing. To this has massive value longer term here. Yeah, the, the one thing I remember. I mean, I got my accounting degree. I worked in public accounting and then I worked for a company and I, you know, I went in as I forgot what my title was, but, you know, I didn't know anything about the business, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to do the accounting and I'm trying to figure out the business. And yeah, it was, it was a manufacturing company. Yeah. I, you know, I met the manufacturing people. I'd walk out there, you learn, you learn a little bit, but it took so long to learn the business and then, and, and, you know, it was like one of those things I, I realized that's the one piece of accounting education you don't get. You, you learn how to do all the technical aspects of accounting with your education, but you don't learn anything about any business when you get your accounting degree. Interesting. Uh, Lara, Ed, anything on? I know Ed, I know Lara first and I'll pick up with Ed. Um, yeah, look, I mean, every... Every business that I've worked in in financial services is always saying to finance, you need to be customer-led. And, yes, we have our day-to-day customers, but it was always thinking about the ultimate customer who's, you know, trying to insure against their loss. So, Nick, I totally agree. It's always connecting back to that because that's what you're really there for. So I totally agree with what you've had to say. Yeah. Ed? I mean, I quite like the... um... The point that Nick makes about being out and getting out of the business, I think now that I've actually got some really good people with with, with um, the new guy and even with Alex as well, you know, I feel like it's a great opportunity for me to have more time out there with the, 
with the manufacturing guys being on the floor more and more time in the business can be so beneficial for understanding where the waste is. We've got some great words there, Ed, but thank you very much. So uh, what I'd like to do now is just try and try and bring these things together. So what we like to do now, and I'm going to come to Eric first, so it gives you guys some time just to, to think about is before we go to some last messages, what's What's a couple of the things that have really resonated with you just from the conversation and it's happy to reinforce or there might have been something where you went, yeah, okay, that's a really interesting one because it's about what we take away, but it's about what we share with the listeners as well. So, so Eric, what's, uh, and again, you've got this experience here, as we say, of 160-odd podcasts talking with leaders. I'm really keen about how this discussion, what your takeaways are, but also how it's related to, to what you've learned yeah, I think Ed, Lara and, and Nick are talking about culture change processes in some respects when it comes to the finance profession and that that's a stepwise thing and it takes time and it, it, and it comes to this one thing that's come up a lot here is the customer and taking a customer-centered focus of the business from a finance perspective is not a bad way to go. Nick outlined that quite quite succinctly before. I guess the, the one thing that stands out for me is that people that have a finance accounting background are experts and can understand processes and numbers and systems. If you can take that logic and that thinking and that skill set and put them into the business, it, it could add value back to the business in ways that you haven't yet been able to determine because like I think Lara said it before, it's important to have a focus on all aspects of the business. And I think a deep dive into the place that you're working because if if you go thinking into that role that it's just the numbers game that I, I think often it's forgotten that you're dealing with people and it's people that are delivering for the business it's not just a set of numbers or a sheet a finance sheet at the end of the day and I think if you can tease away everything Nick has been saying is it's the people process and uh, whether or not universities wherever you get your training to do finance actually focus on the people element I think maybe is a question mark I'm not having to go at the universities here I think any training at that level is difficult but probably my last thought here is that wherever you get your training don't assume that you'll learn about about customers and people through osmosis, you have to have some experience. And I've, I've heard it said from some in academia that it will win our students go through some training, they'll learn communication and people skills through osmosis. So I don't know what uni you're talking about, but that doesn't necessarily happen in that way. So um, excellent discussion. I think from a leader point of view, as my last point, you have to get back to understanding the functions of finance and why it is so important. I think the discussion today actually brings that back home quite strongly. So that that would be my view, Matt. Fantastic. Ed, how would you summarise the discussion? Yeah, no, I've been, um, I've appreciated everybody's contributions because it's really aided to some of the challenges I've been working through. And and I think that's why the network has been beneficial. Even listening to the guys the other day, just constantly we've talked about questioning and challenging the numbers. Some of the some of the some of the guys getting the awards the other day said they're always being they, they thrive off getting feedback from others, getting ideas for change, looking at other business options out there as well that can that they can they can learn from. But I also like what you said, Lara, about the growth mindset and and having that positive view on on how we can change the business and 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 also in relation to coaching our teams to develop those relationships and understand the business because I think it will it will deliver really good results and and and, and support the whole the whole company. Yep, yep, no, that's great, Lara. Yeah, so for the summary for me was you know it was a great discussion. So I think there was a lot of a lot of discussion about you know it's about the relationships and I think I'm not sure if it was Ed who you said it rather than transactional whether it was Nick 
who said that, very much not transactions, it's relationships. And that's that helps us in a finance space do what we really need to do, which is help the business work out what do we need to do to help grow that business, the challenges, certainly before they occur, rather than looking in the rear view mirror, because it's almost too late. It's trying to catch them before we'll be able to pivot. But I think also, you know, I think Ed sort of touched on some of the challenges that are around at the moment, you know, that inflation, the labour market, retaining good people, you know, that relationship transactional split, you know, really comes into play. Fantastic. Nick? Yeah, I, I think one important part, I think, to be to, to make all these things happen is humility. Uh, you know, the, the numbers never tell the whole story. You know, learn the business. There, there's always something behind the numbers. And, and so this idea of being humble about it, you know, you, yes, we have unique skills that, and we can help the company with these analytical skills, but we have to be humble about it rather than sort of push things through. And I think, you know, it's when you're working inside the company, it's it, whoever you're working with, meet them where they are. Don't make them try to meet you where you are. You know, some people don't understand, you know, you might be talking to people that don't understand accounting and finance as well as you do. So, you know, meet them, talk at their level so they understand things. Don't try to make them figure out what you're talking about. It's, it's sort of these soft skills. No, that's great. And I think that's a great way to, uh, to bring this session to, to a close. So can I thank everybody? I've got a bunch of notes that I'll, I'll share through. Can I thank Lara? Great input today and great to have you involved again. We loved your passion last time. I think it was go finance. I think is what you said, go finance. So yeah. um, I've toned it down today. You've toned it down. (laughs) Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Um, But it's been fantastic. And we look forward to you continuing the journey. Ed, thank you very much over in New Zealand. We are calling this an international podcast because we've got Australia, the US, New Zealand as well, which has been fantastic. So Ed, uh, appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And Nick, uh, we know you are over in Ohio. So this evening for you. So it's always a pleasure having you involved and look forward to, to catching up again and some some great insights and experience that you've shared with the team. So thank you, Nick. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, fantastic. And Eric, as always, a pleasure. We look forward to uh, seeing the final version of this podcast. So thank you very much, everybody. This has uh, been a Best Practice Network Talking Leadership podcast. And the topic today has been the changing role of finance. Go and have a listen to this one and all the others that you can find on our webpage. Thanks very much, everybody. And we'll speak to you soon.